The views, information or opinions expressed during the Journey podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and does not represent Wise Words Imaging or any other company. Wise Words Imaging is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy. Any of the information contained in the podcast series is available from the respective owner. Enjoy the show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain that. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimal relationship. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, it says here, have you ever asked yourself, who am I? What I am? Am I here for? Have you ever asked yourself, why me? Our guest today, Amanda, certainly has asked those questions all her life. As a teacher, she strives to help children discover who they are and how to find the self-love within her book. Hi, Amanda. Hi, David. Lovely to meet you. I'd love to meet you. So, first question is, you said, have you ever asked yourself, who am I? What Mm. was the basis behind that question? I think I felt lost. Um, I grew up with three siblings and it was a very busy household. And, you know, I was expected to do the next part, the next part, you know, get the exams, go to university, etc. And then especially once I became a mother, I wasn't even called Amanda anymore. I was called Alessandro's mum. And what I realised is I had no idea what I was all about. I was a mother as a title. I was a teacher, um, you know, a sister, bro- um, daughter. But my identity were all labels. It were all hats I put on and I was sort of multitasking with lots of hats and it wasn't really who I am, but it fitted into what society expected of me. Mm. Um, and I don't. I think very few people actually sit and think, who actually am I? Who was I born to be? Because I believe we're all molded by society, by the environment, even our families to be a certain way. And that's the way we go which is really sad. Yeah, so you're saying about being moulded. Did you think you was moulded intentionally to be in that role and moulded to be that person? Or did you just expect to do it yourself and you thought, well, I do it myself because that's what they expect of me? Um, well, it was expectations and demands. So my mom, I wasn't that bright at school. I couldn't read till I was nine. Um, and in those days, you were really told off and punished for not doing well in school, which is really sad as well. Um, But I was expected to get the exams and academics and me really didn't match. I'm a people person. And I remember being in Ireland on holiday with my parents. I met a little girl who's four years old who had just had her first day at school. And I was 15 at the time. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. Because the delight of a four-year-old, they're all about curiosity, creativity, and she was just delightful. So it took me quite a while to get all the exams that I needed um, to get onto that path. And I have been teacher nearly for 30 years. But in the last two years, I've come back to myself because that wasn't enough. I still felt there was a big hole missing inside me. 
And I realized I had to share my story to get it out there, to get over myself, actually, to who I, you know, appear to be um, by friends and uh, society and people at work, etc. So you've said about being called Alexandra and Mum. (laughs) Did you think that was a grand title? Did you feel intimidated by that name? Did you feel... I always wanted to be a mother. I thought I would leave school, get a job teaching, and I'd be engaged, married, and have kids by 30. And, of course, that didn't happen at all. (laughs) So how you, especially when you're young and a teenager and you're viewing your life, that all went out the window. So I was sort of left. Um, I did go abroad when I was 30 um, to the Philippines and coming away from the family unit was good because I started growing up on my own. But even then it was like, I was always searching, always searching, trying to fit into other people's expectations and demands of me rather than going back to myself and thinking, what do you actually want? Yeah. I understand that totally. It's like, I can relate to that. I grew up, in, my mum was a single mum and for so many years, I don't mind talking about it because that's about my journey as well, but yes, yes. For, for so many years, I was always trying to find identity by being different, I suppose, mm-hmm. and being, because I'm to be an autistic as well nowadays, yes. I find it more difficult to understand that concept even back then now I was because I was just trying to please everyone and try to get the attention that I craved for absolutely and I create assume that's what you wanted you wanted for you to be you acknowledge and you use the term people pleaser and I'm so glad you use that because that's exactly what I was I wanted to be liked I wanted to be accepted I wanted to fit in but inside I felt so different and that I wasn't the normal or whatever normal is. And I'm quite glad I'm not the normal now. Um, <laughs> but people pleasing, what you're doing is you're living your life through their values, through their wants, their needs. And I had this story going that I was only around if I could be useful for other people. Mm. I never put myself first. I didn't see any value in myself. And you know, you're born with value and little ones up to the age of four or five when they go to school, they're full of absolute excitement. And then we start being conformed and told what to do and they have to follow the rules. And although rules are necessary, I'm not saying they're not, but what I know working with little ones, they are so creative, they're so imaginative. And then with the curriculum and things, we're told what we have to study, when we've got to study it and for how long. And that goes on because... Society today thinks school, maybe university, then job, then you're meant to get into a relationship and then kids. And your whole life is mapped out for you. And nobody actually stops you and says, well, should you do this? Is this the way now forward? Or could we do something different that would suit you? And Mm. I think that's the place I'm at. (laughs) So you also admit to having depression, which took over your life, which, you know, best life with happiness and joy it says you're still searching for the one to complete you your soulmate you say stop yeah i stop because it is in capital letters how it says stop Mm. um well there's actually a youtube um clip of the comedian i forget his name and it's called stop it and it's basically that somebody's going to uh, a psychotherapist for help and he says it'll take five minutes and it'll cost you two pounds and she can't believe it 
And the it's so funny to watch because all they say is just stop it because it is the mind. And I was attached to my mind like, you know, hand in the glove that you I thought my mind was my real thoughts were me. I thought uh, thoughts from other people were the honest truth. And it's not your thoughts are just your egos, whether you're feeling you're fitting in or you're not fitting in. It's the judgment that comes. And what I've realized, I just say, stop it. I used to hate sitting in silence because I couldn't bear the noise of silence, although that sounds strange. Um, and I have started meditating for the last year and a half. And I've actually accepted myself and the feelings that come up. And rather than running and hiding and avoiding, which was a tendency of mine, I just faced this is it. I'm actually in the now. I'm absolutely safe. But I lived a lot of my um, life either reminiscing about the past or worrying about the future. And I miss the now, totally. <laughs> it seems mad, but I think we're so busy nowadays, that's exactly how we live our lives. Yeah, because everyone tends to, I know I've done it myself, you know, you tend to dwell too much on the past or you think what's going to yeah. occur. And then people, and I, I admit to this as well, I'm not in, you know, but I think, I don't think, what's today? What am I doing today? Because you never know what is today. But it is a key thing to look to because you've got to make the most of today yeah. and not for tomorrow or yesterday as the saying goes. Live for today, not for tomorrow or wherever the saying goes. So yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. Well, what I've found out recently, I think, um, because you think you're this body and I thought my mind was real, but I realized that the mind actually needs structure as in knowing what to do. So I've got a morning routine now because otherwise I can just sit on a sofa and waste the day and, I, and then you get pulled down if you're feeling low and that doesn't help. Um, so I have a structure that I get up in the morning. I do a bit of dancing because I don't like exercise, but a little dancing to something mm. great. Um, and then my soul needs the joy. And I get that through the children at school. But then it's also realizing what do you enjoy? Not that your friends enjoy, but makes you good. So my husband bought me a karaoke machine for Christmas. And I said, can I have one? And he went, really? I said, yeah, I know I can't sing, but I don't care. I just love singing. <laughs> and the next day he's up there with me. And then I found him practicing. So it's just amazing how much joy in the simple things you can find. But as you say, you know, you're either worried about things that didn't go well in the past or worried that you're going to make mistakes in the future. And actually, mistakes are fine because you can learn from them. As long as you, you know, self-sabotage was a great one of mine, um, thinking I was no good at whatever. And that's absolutely baloney because I know that if you put your mind towards something, it doesn't matter if it doesn't, you know, shine bright like a diamond on the first go. It's actually in the journey itself that's important rather than the end product. And for example, with schools, we're all about the results, results, results. And I just think that's so wrong. I think you should enjoy the journey and what you can pick up on the way and what you learn about yourself, more importantly. Mm. So is it about targets and expectations nowadays in schools? Because you talk about... There are a lot. Um, I work in a private school at the moment, um, in a primary school. So they got to 11 at the moment, year six, are trying to get into schools. Um, and it is, and the parents, because they've been taught by their parents, it's all about results and studying hard and getting them. But life has changed so much. I mean, when I was young, we didn't have computers. Um, <laughs> you can find a lot of the information on the push of a button now. 
Um, and yet life skills, accepting who you are, talking about your feelings, what feelings are, talking about the mind, how we interact with one another. I think those things are so much more important to come back to and being mindful. Mindfulness is what I do at school. Um, it's not on the curriculum per se, but I put that in. I was a drama teacher for a while and I used to start the <laughs> lessons that way because I think it's actually just stopping and thinking for yourself is important and we don't encourage that we're all sort of following the same we're in the same stream following the same flow rather than thinking no i want to stop here and take time doing whatever it is because i understand and this is me still understanding the schooling in england the curriculum is how it is you can't really deviate from that set curriculum even though you like to say this is this this is this and i knew it this way you yeah. have to still follow that guideline set. Yes, the national curriculum. It came in when I was learning to be a teacher and they've updated in 2014. And it is very structured. But it's great leaving school knowing knowledge. But if it's that knowledge going to help you, you know, to pay your bills, um, to get a job, to um, sit in interviews, it's more than just a job. And I think with COVID with people staying at home and lockdown. Um, life has changed. And it's actually made people stop and think, my goodness, what, what's it all about? And actually mm -hmm. having the time to think, well, what do I want for life? Rather than thinking, I will go to work for the next 20 years or whatever it might be, and then I'll retire. Because we're all waiting for retirement <laughs> to do what we want to do. And then when you're retired, you're too old to do some of the things you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like I'm an admin on my old school where I used to go secondary school yeah. and someone posted a picture about the National Record of Achievement folder, the old mm. burgundy folders yeah. and some people were saying what's that, I don't use that and I took it into an interview and they didn't need to look at it and I'm thinking uh -huh. because they don't want to look at that, they want to look at you and I assume whatever age you are, even if you have a piece of paper to say I've got X, Y, or Z publication. Then, um, That's just a piece of paper. It's not you. You know, yeah. as you said at the beginning, who am I? What I've realised is I'm full of joy. I'm full of purpose, as in this is one life. There's a saying that I say, if your, your mind will go, is this it? As in, oh, woe is me. But your soul will go, this is it. Come on, make the best of it. And that's what I'm trying to infuse with the children, because young children are like that generally. But as parents ourselves, we're a bit jaded with life and all the rest of it. And we're hard on ourselves. And we don't forget that, you know, just out in nature, if you go out in the garden or wherever, it's beautiful out there. And actually stop to smell the roses, the saying. But when do we stop? Because we're so busy, 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 busy. Yeah. And it's time to actually just, no, stop, hold, draw a breath and think, it's okay to be me. Look at what's happening in this moment. It's just this. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to worry about. And yet our way of living, I mean, for example, the news on the telly, I don't listen to it. <laughs> because it's all doom, gloom, war and all the rest of it. And I won't have it on in the house. Because if you sat, watch that, you'd just be pulled down into, you know, a lower frame of mind. Yeah. Why can't that. they put positive things out there? But then maybe that doesn't sell. I don't know. 
Well, I know from my experience, because I've worked on the radio, they try and give you a story that will get your attention. They look at stories in between that still get your attention. And then they tend to brush aside the little stories that make people laugh nowadays. Even the, you know, and finding moment, it's not really a moment of slight relief. It's something that's like, and finally, did you know something? And I'm thinking, really? (laughs) (laughs) There's no real... Clarity, and I'm saying this in the media point of view because I have to say, there is no real clarity in the way the news is. It's all one, like I got, I got this, I got my script, you know, I'm I'm green screen. But the fact is, people have a script. It's like they get told what to say. They can't be, you know, when was the last time you watched the news in England, in America, wherever, and it actually was something that came from the art. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing I should will say, you know, with the NHS and the Thursday clapping that we were doing. I don't know if you do anything the same. Yeah, clap for Karen. But my goodness, it brought the whole neighbourhood out, you know, because we don't see each other as neighbours in London. And yet by during this lockdown, it's been beautiful because all the kids have got to know each other. We've been playing, doing yoga lessons out on the streets <laughs> and actually just recognising that nurses and doctors and, you know, all the medical staff, the effort, and and they've done it not for the money or anything like that, but just because of their hearts, and they want to look after people. And actually, that has warmed everybody's hearts. Um, so why can't we have more of that? It's like they want the Newman, the Glimmer, as you say, the glamour, and the uh-uh-uh, like the end of EastEnders, the do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. We don't need the do-do-do-do-do. We want <laughs> a bit more of the lightness and the laughter. Children laugh, I think, 15 times more than adults, and they're so much happier and free. Yeah, and I, I you know, the younger the child, like you said, five, six-year-olds, they, I'm not saying they are mature, but they understand so much more than an average adult would. Mm. They're and open. Yeah. No, they're open to possibilities. They're open to wonder and miracles. They don't think there is only one way of do it, doing it. Because I think what we're doing in society, we like to put people in boxes and put them on a shelf with a label. And what I'm trying to do in school and in my own family is let's open up the box. It's scary when you've been in a box for a long time and come out and say, right, no, I'm not being contained in these walls anymore. This is me. And it's actually what I've realized from being a people pleaser. I know not everyone's going to like me and I've accepted that that's absolutely fine. Some (laughs) people will like me, whatever I do. And the others, it doesn't matter. There's a great phrase I've learned, which I didn't like at all when I said it the first time. In fact, I battled it was, thank you, but not your, what you think of me is none of my business. And I battled with that because your opinion of me was my business because that's where my worth came from. Because I hadn't come home to myself, as I say. And by coming mm-hmm. home to myself now, I, you know, I was born, I am in the right job for me, but I don't want to be contained by or a description. I'm more than a teacher. I'm a person with a heart. I've got a lot of joy, as I said. I want to have fun. And I want to acknowledge the fun and the laughter and the wonder in other people because we're all amazing. Yeah. So you started writing your book. Was this just from the early outset of you discovering yourself? 
when you realised? It was. I started um, a course with a lady called Anna Garcia called Relationship Intensive, and it's based on women. And I had basically got so sick of my own story <laughs> and all the woe is me. And I just said, I've wanted to do a story 20 years ago or write a book. And I thought, well, I'm not good enough. I couldn't do that. Possibly, possibly. And she put me in contact with her um, publisher and we did it over conversations. And the first um, copy I got, it was just so dismal. I just had to laugh and went, put that in the bin. It's so depressing. And I realized I'd been writing it from my past and living it in the victim mode. So I started again, threw out all the window and the sense of relief I got from it because finally I put everything to bed and I know I never have to go back there again. It's done, dusted, and I am who I am now. And on taking that, I, um, I then did a 30 day book challenge and I decided because I love children, I wanted to create something about feelings because we think we are feeling. Kids say, I am happy, I am sad, I am cross. They're not, they're feeling those things. So I created the Mood Munchers, who are a range of characters that children, through the stories, these characters come into us, but they're like guest mates. They just come and go, oh, come in the front door and they go out the back door because we never stay in the same emotion all the time. And I want to, I've done about disgust, compassion, pride, shame, guilt, all those feelings that people don't like talking about as if we're all, you know, fabulous all the time. But I suffered from depression for years. I was living in shame and fear and guilt. And I wanted to stop that. And that was in my family narrative. And I wanted to stop it because I don't want that carrying on for my son. Yeah. stops with me and it's how I show up to him and everybody else in my life each day and it's a decision and it's actually being reflected and I have time I get up two hours earlier than anybody else in the household to have my time for me and then I'm just ready to go <laughs> yeah. so would you say your family are understanding you better now than they were when you was at that stage oh yes I mean my husband's wonderful I've been married 13 years and I got depression with him and most guys quite honestly would have left but he didn't because he's got the soul like me but now we just can communicate so much I was very resentful for him because I saw him at being a, at a higher level a more peaceful level if you like Whereas I could never get over myself and I can laugh about that now because I'm so over myself when he's another over. Um, and I just laugh now. Um, Alessandro himself, because he used to say to me, oh, mum, you're not happy, you're not happy. And, I, and he then started saying he was blaming and I realised I had lived my life saying, oh, it's my fault and things like that. We've changed that language. It's our responsibility now. And even the change in the language changes it. So I think very carefully before I speak, um, if, especially if it's about emotions. And, you know, you're going to have your good days and bad days and you're going to have your days you're tired. And I, I'm not so great when I'm tired, but it's realizing what do you need? Because if you don't look after yourself first, you can't show up for anybody else. And I always put other people first because I was taught by my parents that to put yourself first was selfish. And it's, you know, we don't do that, not in this household. Um, but what I've realized is if you don't accept yourself, give yourself what you need first, 
we expect other people to fill ourselves up. And actually, everything we've got when we need is inside ourselves. But nobody told us that growing up. <laughs> so going forward, what um, you said about inspiration and a journey for yourself. Was there any inspiration that came from within yourself or was it from what you heard on the TV or radio or did you just... With me, I've always... See, when I was at school and as I said, I struggled with reading. I was taught by nuns, Catholic school, and it was the ruler if you couldn't do things and I was labelled stupid. And I knew I wasn't stupid, but I didn't get how I was taught. Now, as I realised, we're all different types of learner. You're either auditory, visual, kinesthetic learner. And you've got to, you can't teach the same way. Even in one room of children, you've got to find the way. And I teach children now to say, I don't understand, Mrs. Hill. Uh, could you put it in another way? I said, of course I can. And then you've just got to work that out. Um, but my journey was, I am not letting anybody tell any child that they are not capable. We are all capable and we're capable of things in our own uniqueness. And to be put in a box that you have to do it a certain way, no more. I'm not having that. Um, I can be a bit dramatic and wow, wow, wow. As one little girl said to me yesterday, Mrs. Hill, you are unusual. I said, why? Well, you're so positive. You're singing and dancing around all the time. But, you know, if you're in a maths class, you can make maths fun. And if I see that they're losing it, we change the tempo, get up, move around. And it's about, we are human beings. We're meant to connect. We're meant to communicate. And sitting down at a desk for children for long hours, it's not really productive. So I just want my thing is to really empower people to realize that they can be who they were born to be. I knew I cared about people. I knew I've got that caring side about me. Um, and I've just gone about teaching in a different way that I will not put children down. I don't have to be the boss of them. I don't have to be in control because I was a big control freak. <laughs> um, but I, I've let that go now. And the release and the freedom I feel now. But you see, I wasn't taught things like that at school or even by my parents. It was just so this is how it's done. It's always been done and we will continue to do it this way. Yeah. So you, when you you said about you was taught this way, it's a structure. You yeah. had to learn that structure, no matter. And there's what. no other way. This is it's been proved right once upon a time, but life has changed. It's like you know Disney films. When I was young, it was you know Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, waiting to find your prince, and then you could be completed because you were not enough on your own. I've watched Soul by Disney and Inside Out. And I love that because it's really getting to the, that we are a being with a soul and a spirit and an energy that's so special. And they're not doing the thing. You're waiting for somebody else to come along and fix you. There's nothing to be fixed. There is no right or wrong way of doing it. It's just having a go with what you think best if it doesn't work out fine change it make another choice and do it another way yeah i agree with that totally when i immigrated to america yeah. i made that choice to come to america because i wanted to yeah now i had people doubting me to you know i'm saying my example my own mother she doubted me she hasn't sure. spoken to me for so many years now but she doubted me she said you won't make it by not doing this not doing that and yeah. i'm thinking 
Yes, I will. I made a joke with her when I was younger, saying you'd be a grandma by 40. She yeah. was. Yes. Of course. <laughs> but the point was, that's one example. I always made a joke of things because that's how I wanted to be. But yeah. I was still that constraint of being structured by the way she was saying, this is this, this is this. And I'm thinking, no, but I'm 23 now, you're grandmother. Yeah. And she, you know, she, you know, own wisdom grew to love that and respected that because it was her first grandchild. Yes. And obviously I can't see my daughter now for obvious reasons. And okay. I'm thinking she's been raised the way I want her to be raised. And it's sadly yeah. not the way I want it to be. No. But I've got to used to it. But then as I think our parents, I mean, mine were a lot older um, than my friend's parents, but they were raised by their parents. It's inherited. Um, and in those days, there was only one way, but the world has opened up so much. And, you know, people didn't fly around the world. I mean, going to America is, you know, 50, 60 years ago, that wouldn't have even been happening. Um, and the opportunities are there, the connections, even this, you know, the fact we're in COVID, but we can talk to each other like this. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, but our parents thought there was only one way to do it because that's how they've been taught. And I'm sort of in between because I'm not young, I'm not old, I'm sort of in that between. So I've seen both. Um, I grew up in the 70s, so I knew what that sort of lifestyle was like. But I was a bit nervous of all the computers, but I've had to embrace it because that's the future. But the, I can do it my way. And unless it's taking the risks, because people, I believe, and I was one of them, I'm gonna, <laughs> like to play small, I like to play comfortable and safe. You know, I don't have to step out or whatever. And then I just thought, no, the people I've met through the RI course have just opened my eyes. And there's people like me that have realized there has to be more to this than just, you know, existing, surviving, paying the bills. What's it for? And I think it's the what's for is to make a difference. And if I make a difference in one person's life, I'm happy. Mm. So tell us about your book then, because I will put the link in the description of the video and the podcast. So the I Choose Me, and this is it, um, I Choose Me, Loving Yourself is Your Magic Wand. And that's what I've, my biggest discovery is that everything I wanted when I was trying to be a people pleaser and sort of I was very needy, like, oh, love me, love me, love me. I can love myself. And if we teach each other to love yourself first and when you're full up like that then it just comes oozes out of you because you're open you're not needing anything from anybody else uh, basically my book goes through from my childhood it's got um who am i belonging because i didn't feel i fitted in narratives because we've inherited things that our parents believed and you all say i won't turn out to be my father or my mother and then you hear this phrase come out of your mouth and you go oops that wasn't meant to happen um i talk about avoidance under the duvet with my depression um but then i've talked about um forgiveness and forgiving myself forget other people forgiving myself and I have gone back and healed being a child inside me. And what I mean by that is everybody inside themselves has still got that little girl or boy. 
and something might have happened along your way that you were told off for or somebody gave you a harsh judgment and you stopped being how you were being and you started to conform to fit in, i.e. not to get told off, to be accepted. And that little girl, I didn't get the love. My parents were both very busy working people. I had older sisters and there wasn't anybody around to give me that, you know, love and attention that I craved as a little one. And when I did some meditation, I saw her in a heap on the floor and I first got across, why isn't anybody looking after her? Like, why didn't my mum do that? Why didn't my dad do this? And then I suddenly thought, stop it, Manta. You're here now. And I thought, right, it's beautiful, really. I've had all the experience of my life. I'm confident in who I am now. So I can pick her up with her creativity, her innocence and her curiosity. And the two of us together can go forward and there's nothing to stop us. And that's made me realise I'm going to go on to write children's books, um, do podcasts, because I just think the world needs more positivity. And it's so simple to actually just come back to yourself. But we're so scared of taking the leap and the fear, because if we're not the teacher, we're not the mother and we're not the daughter or the son or any other labour you want to give us, who are we? And that scares people. Yeah, totally. I really understand that. Thank you very much, Amanda. It has been a pleasure understanding your journey and may your journey flourish more because like I always see the journey, you're like, a, and it does say in other places, you know, you're a small tree and you flourish from that. Yes, definitely. And the saying goes, carpe diem, seize the moment or seize the day, whatever it is. Yes. And I, mean, I seize this moment and enjoy it and embrace it. And don't worry about anything else. That's beautifully put, David. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you very much. And if anyone wants to get your book, they can get it from Amazon, I assume. Yes. Or... There's okay. I Choose Me. And then for children, it's called Meet the Mood Munchers. And I've got three children's books out and I'm doing one for parents now because we all need to deal with our emotions. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. Take care, David. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a Wise Words Imaging production. Thank you for listening and catch you again very soon for another the journey.